welcome to the Imposter Syndrome Files. I am so grateful that you're here. My name is Kim Manager, and I'm a women's leadership coach. I started this podcast because as a lifelong sufferer of imposter syndrome and a coach who sees this in 98% of the women I meet, I wanted to take this conversation to a bigger stage, so to speak. Imposter syndrome is triggered by a lot of things, but two of the primary triggers are transitions and feeling different from those around us. Women in traditionally male-dominated environments experience these triggers on an almost daily basis, so it's only natural that we would feel this way. What compounds these feelings is the sense that we are alone, the belief that if we share our feelings, we'll expose our incompetence even further. So we carry it around like a deep, dark secret. I started this podcast because I want to put a stop to this nonsense and destigmatize imposter syndrome. Because we don't talk about it, we look around and assume that everyone around us has it all figured out, that we're somehow the exception to the rule, when in reality, we're all feeling this way. And when we can own that and say it out loud, we all benefit, nobody more so than you. So thanks again for being here. If you enjoy it, please share it with others who might also benefit. Welcome, Hillary. I am so excited to have this conversation with you today. Before we get started, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Oh, thanks, Kim. It's such an honor to be here today with you. Um, so my name is Hillary Bennett, and I am the founder and lead coach for my company, Hillary Bennett Consulting. And what we do is help moms return to meaningful work without sacrificing pay, flexibility, or family time. So essentially, um, I've kind of created this area to be able to support moms who are wanting to re-enter the workforce after taking time off for a, a longer length of time um, from paid work. Usually that's to raise kids. Sometimes it's also being a trailing spouse or elder care. There's lots of different reasons, um, but it's a really untapped talent pool that many companies are starting to get interested in. So that's what I do now. Um, but for the last decade or so, I have worked at one of the world's top companies in human resources, supporting their um, leadership development programs and got to spend a lot of time recruiting, uh, planning development training and activities, and then helping um, to design people's careers towards leadership. And so did that for a long while. But my last role before leaving that company was to create their first ever returnship program. And that was the most amazing opportunity and such an honor because I was able to really shed a light on some of the needs for more diverse talent and then also opening the company up to this uh, never before utilized talent pool of women wanting to get back to work. And what I really found in that process is that these women really need a coach because man, do they face some imposter syndrome. I tell you what it is. It is the real deal for mamas trying to get back into the workforce. So I'm so excited to see people like you who are really trying to shine a light on that so we can start talking about it. Um, but that's kind of my career story. Thank you so much. And I love what you're doing. I think that's such important work. And 
I have no doubt that you have seen a lot of imposter syndrome because I see it myself in, in women of all stripes, right? But particularly women who are trying to get back into the workplace. So why don't we start with my general question of what what does imposter syndrome mean to you? And before we talk about how it shows up in some of the people that you work with, how, if at all, has it shown up in your work or in your or your life? Yeah. So to me, imposter syndrome is when comparison and self-doubt intersect. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, that little monster in our head that is telling us all of that negative self-doubt nonsense it can be really loud. And when you look around the room and start to compare and listen to that voice in your head, um, for me at least, that's when imposter syndrome really starts to take hold. And in looking back when imposter syndrome has really impacted me, it's anytime I start to think about doing something new and not even necessarily from a professional standpoint, I've had a lot of imposter syndrome in motherhood as well. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old and being a perfectionist and achiever, motherhood was um, a humbling and grounding experience. (laughs) Let's just say that. (laughs) But um, yeah, for me, it's anytime I'm taking on something new and I look around and I assume that the people who are around me in this, you know, new job, new network, new area, new whatever, they, it came so easily to them. They can do it so well. I can't do it that well. And then it's just, Ooh, it's a slippery slope. I don't deserve to be here. Um, all of that negative self-talk and instead of focusing on the learning and the gifts that I have that I can bring to the table, I definitely have had moments where I've succumbed to that, um, that imposter syndrome. And so it has taken a lot of time for me to even recognize that it's there and then have a counteracting voice in my head so that I can choose to step out of it and find that courage to show up uh, and know that I am valued, but um, it's a process for, for sure. You said so many important things there, and I love the what you said about the intersection between comparison and self-doubt. One of the reasons why I wanted to have this larger conversation is that we don't talk about this. Most of us don't feel comfortable saying it out loud. So w- when we look around, we see a lot of people who look like they have it all figured out, who look like it has come so easily to them but most of them are having the same internal struggle that we are. We just can't see it, right? So I think there's this loneliness that comes with imposter syndrome because we think that we're the only ones. Oh, yes. And the expectation, especially as women, that we shouldn't ask for help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, looking, especially in a professional place, especially at companies that, um, traditionally have more men, we, that asking for help is a weakness. Um, and that can be really, really tough and prevent us from having this kind of important conversation. Absolutely. And so you started to talk to about the process of being able to recognize when it's happening and counter that what, what has worked for you in terms of getting stronger when it comes to imposter syndrome? Oh gosh, so much personal development. I mean, I have become 
if, if Amazon bookstores were something I actually went into as opposed to just going online, <laughs> I would have been permanently in the self-help section for the last five years. <laughs> um, so I've just done a lot of work on myself. I've been in therapy. I've done hypnosis. I've also read a lot of self-help things. Also the, um, just the industry that I'm in being in HR employee development. And now as a professional coach, um, there's a lot of self-reflection that's required as you work through being able to, to offer that to others. Um, and so really I do think that the crux of it, all of the therapy, all of the hypnosis, all of the self-help books, the crux of it is being able to look inside and anchor within your true self and love that beautiful true self within. Um, and I think that's kind of the, the common strand between all of those things. And when I definitely have not mastered this, um, but I have been able to, from time to time, anchor into my true self and love her and honor her. And just those few touch points that I've been able to have are so impactful that I can reach back to her when I need to, um, if I'm able to kind of be present and acknowledge that that's what I need to do. So not perfect. I don't do it all the time, but, um, I am trying hard to do it more and more. And I love that you're honest about that too, because it is something that ebbs and flows that's harder at certain points than at others. It's really a, a journey. I think that we're all on. And I, I, I wonder without putting you really on the spot, because I know that this is a big question, but because so much of our experience is oriented towards the negative, right? What I don't know, what I don't have, how others are better than I am. Are there steps that you have found helpful to really connect more positively with your true self? Are there exercises or things that as you've been going through all of this deep work that you have found have made it easier for you to see your true self and accept it? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, and I'll try to keep my answer as simple as possible, but honestly, I think that it also can really change over time, how you can get that kind of resourcefulness for yourself. Um, but for me, the trio of gratitude, meditation, prayer, and affirmations have been huge in being able to tap into that true self and honor her and love her and then be able to kind of reconnect with her when I need to. Um, the gratitude came easy. The affirmations did not, <laughs> I will say. Uh, but if you're able to, you know, if you're kind of starting from ground zero with this, I think that that's something that you don't need professional help. You don't need any kind of training or anything like that to be able to kind of sit down with a journal or with, you know, your phone, you can do voice memos or you can send yourself emails. Like there's just so many different ways you can do it, but I do recommend doing it in a way that um, is tangible. So, um, you know, either writing it or recording it and doing a, 
um, gratitude, affirmations, and then spending some time in meditation or prayer. Um, and for meditation, man, there are so many cool apps that can help you. Um, I, we could have a whole separate conversation <laughs> on meditation. And for those of us out there that are type A achievers, like cannot sit down and be quiet. We cannot shut our brain down. Meditation is something that's so far out of our reach. That's a whole separate conversation, but there's so many cool tools now to be able to, to support you in that. Um, and that's really been, I think what has helped me find that positive voice and be able to bring her to life when I need to. Um, but there's so many others too. The first couple that come to mind are, um, surrounding yourself with positive, supportive people. So getting, looking around you and seeing, do the people around me have positive self-talk? Do the people around me tear each other down and gossip? Um, do the people around me have dreams and goals that are in line with mine? And are they supporting one another towards those, you know, or are they tearing each other down? And if we're really honest about that assessment, I think that it could mean radically reshaping the people that you spend the most time with, which is no easy feat. However, I will say um, it makes a huge difference. And all of a sudden, you know, so many times we say these things out loud too. We always talk about self-talk, but so many comments that come out of my mouth for so long was really self-deprecating. Like, oh, I know I'm not good at this, but, or, oh, I know I'm not a pro, but, you know, these ways to kind of talk ourselves down. When you put yourself in a community of people that are working towards positive self-talk and using affirmations and encouraging one, each, one another, they will call you out on that, which is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so yeah, there are things you can do on your own. And then I do think that creating that, that network around you is so important and then the, the second one that kind of came to mind was if you're having an acute bout of self-doubt or an acute bout of you feeling down and really doubting yourself, um, for me, I found a couple of things that just kind of can snap you out. Like whatever thing works for you, for me, it's using essential oils for other people. Maybe it's getting out into the sunshine, having a cup of tea, doing a deep belly breath, you know, whatever that might be. If you can find that one thing that can kind of snap you back to where you want to go, um, from a, like a mental, emotional standpoint, I think that's helpful too. Cause we all, all hit those really acute moments of, um, imposter syndrome or acute moments of self-doubt. Absolutely. And I love everything that you said and what it's making me think about. I think one of the underlying themes of everything that you shared is how important it is to slow down and pay attention because I think it's really hard to have a gratitude mindset to be able to meditate, pray, all, all of the pieces that you talked about if you're moving 100 miles an hour and not actually listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think that's part of the challenge that we all face is that we have such a crazy world that we live in. There's so many things going on and it can feel almost self-indulgent to sit down, reflect, think about ourselves in these deeper ways. Yes. Yes. And, you know, this is a little bit tangential to imposter syndrome, but I think that also the places that we put ourselves in and the goals that we list to achieve can be more reflective of the expectations of others or society 
if we don't take that time. And then once you're in that position, if it's not truly what your heart and soul and gut and mind and all those things desire and you're feeling imposter syndrome, oh, that is when people face burnout at staggering rates. And when you just kind of spiral into a really, really tough situation. And so I think that you really hit the nail on the head there, slowing down, taking the time to do some self-reflection. And that way, once you kind of get to that next spot that you feel like you had to reach for, um, you can deal with some of that self-doubt and comparison, but hopefully you're not having to deal with the fact that it's not actually what you wanted uh, because that's, that's a killer combo when you find yourself in that situation. And I think many of us have. Absolutely. You're so right. And I'm curious now if we transition over to the people that you serve, right? Moms who are looking to get back into the workplace in some way, how do you see imposter syndrome showing up in them? To be honest, the biggest challenge that moms returning to the workforce face is confidence. And imposter syndrome is a huge piece of that. Um, when I work with my clients, what I hear most often is, but I've just been a mom. That they describe all of the hard work that they've done as just. I've just been a mom. I have nothing to offer. My gap in my resume is so big. Nobody's ever going to look at me. You know, for some of these women, they've been, they've raised their kids until they've, you know, left home. And so they've been out of the workforce for 20 plus years. How am I going to be able to learn what I need to learn? You know, the last time I was in the office, I didn't even have my own computer, right? Like (laughs) things have really changed. Um, And being able to say, actually, I have got gained all of these incredible skills from managing my family and raising children. And now I'm going to be able to add them to the skills I had before and bless someone, some company, some organization with the uniqueness of me. Being able to go from I'm just a mom to that mindset is huge. And imposter syndrome is, you know, a main culprit in that mindset. So without giving everything away, right? Because I know this is your business. too, but I'm sure there are a lot of moms who are thinking about this right now. Are there one or two things that you would suggest as a starting point if there are women out there who are really resonating with what you're saying and are thinking, gosh, I would love to get to that point, but I don't even know where to start. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think some of the things I've already said, do, you know, start working on some of those things, getting that right network around you, and then doing some of that meditation, prayer, Mm. and gratitude and um, affirmations. I recommend that to anybody anywhere, but certainly if you're starting out on a journey of major transition, I think those are really important things to do. Um, In my program, and I'll tell you exactly what we do because, you know, if someone needs me, they'll find me. And if they can do it on their own, gosh, I just want to empower as many people as possible to be able to, what I say, discover their gifts and share them with the world. Um, My dream is that women everywhere would be able to discover their gifts and then share them with the world. Because, oh, thinking about an existence in which that was the case Mm -hmm. uh, really fills me with a lot of hope. 
Um, so I take all of my clients on this five-step process. And the first process is part of discovery. And that is where you spend time letting yourself truly dream. If you had the perfect life, the most idyllic existence, what would that look like? And dreaming big. So not just saying, well, you know, I'd have a job that would bring in enough money so that I could cover the bills. That's not big enough. I'm talking like you get to write out exactly what you want and no one's going to tell you, no, that can't happen. Um, and starting there and actually figuring out what that is, because even for myself, the first time I ever did that, I was like, oh, I didn't even know I wanted that. <laughs> I didn't, I've never been allowed to dream that big, to think like this, to even contemplate that that could be a reality for me. Uh, and so it, it can be really eye-opening. And that's kind of one of those exercises. And it's not just one, but it's kind of a series of things that I help people go through to understand what is it that they truly want in life. Um, and so that's the first step. And then the next step is to be really honest about your reality. So, you know, what kind of commitments and requirements does your life already contain that you can't or don't want to change? For moms, it's like, yeah, I have kids and I don't want to change that. I kind of like them. And that requires me to do, you know, school pickup or soccer runs or, you know, be able to FaceTime with my kid who's studying abroad in Italy at 11 a.m. in the morning every day, whatever the case may be, right? There's everybody is unique and different. Um, what are those pieces that it's just part of life? And if you have to choose between that and this dream existence, this dream job, you're going to choose your current situation. Um, so that's kind of that second step. And then the third step is to explore the possibilities. And that's where you bring your dream state and your reality together and seeing what kind of jobs, whether it would be entrepreneurial or going into another company exist that can best marry up your dream with what you already have going on. And I think it's eye-opening to a lot of people that those are actual, that there are actually opportunities out there that do a pretty good job um, of tapping into at least a little bit of your dream life, if not a lot, without sacrificing what you have going on that you can't or don't want to change in your current reality. Um, and so that's that exploration piece. And then from there, it's all logistics. It's supporting, you know, and as a career coach yourself, I mean, I'm not telling you anything new, but it's supporting them through the process of, okay, this is where you want to get to. What are the steps A to Z to get you there? Uh, and so depending on what the person decides that they want to do, it's getting your resume prepped, prepping for interviews, getting your LinkedIn profile ready to go, networking, et cetera, et cetera. For the person who decides that she wants to start her own business, you know, that's a different track. Um, but there are steps that you can just say, okay, today I'm going to do this one thing towards that goal. And they know exactly what it is. Um, and then the last thing I recommend people do once they're on that path and they're really transitioning from stay at home mom or a non-working mom, a non-working mom for pay because of course all moms work just some of us get paid and some of us don't <laughs> um into full-time or paid mom mode then there are a whole bunch of things that I recommend people do to be able to 
maintain that kind of existence that they want to not fall into a sacrificial existence where you can either be a great employee, great entrepreneur, great, whatever the career path you've chosen or a great parent. Um, but figuring out that support, the support systems, the tips, tricks, tools to be able to be both. Um, and when you have to choose making a really conscious and intentional choice, feeling confident behind that choice of right now I am choosing to be a great mom. And that means that I've had to step back in the career piece for today or for this hour. Um, and then sometimes the choice is the other way around too. But if you can be intentional around that choice, it makes such a huge difference as opposed to feeling pulled and dictated in the, in that choice. So it's kind of a five-step process. I call it my dream process. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm happy to share because if someone can do it on their own, I want them to, because I just, I really believe that if moms, if women, if anyone can, you know, achieve that where they're really being able to share their gifts with the world, that we'll all be in a better place. I love that spirit. I really could not agree with you more. And as you work through that model, I think certainly it applies to moms who are re-entering the workforce, but I think it applies to all of us too, right? Because so many people yep. are in situations that they're tolerating and that mm -hmm. are not fulfilling, not in alignment. As you talked about earlier, with that unfortunate combination, right, of self-doubt and just environmentally not being in a place that's aligned with who you are. So I, I love your framework. I think it's a powerful one for anybody. So as we wrap up today, I want to ask you just a couple of quick questions. What motivated you to want to tell your story today? And what are you hoping people will take away from it? Mm. Um, the motivation around telling my story is sort of two-pronged. And the first is, I, as I was going through my own journey, after I had my children, I found myself in this place of feeling totally out of alignment. And I didn't have those words to describe it then. Um, I just felt like I didn't fit in my own. And really it was career existence at that time. The job that I had before that had truly been my dream job, all of a sudden I didn't get the same joy from it. Um, I didn't have much motivation when it came to work, and I'm not saying that I was one of those moms that just fell in love with motherhood and it was all consuming and I just didn't want to do anything else but be with my babies. Actually, that wasn't the case. I Motherhood was a real challenge for me from day one. Um, and I think the combination of feeling definitely out of you know, out of my element in terms of how difficult motherhood was and wanting to be such a good mom. And then having been such a great rock star employee and now not really feeling the motivation, that combination was really tough. And that's really what plunged me into my journey through, you know, I said, I, I would have been stationed in the self-help section of the bookstore the last five years. Like that's why. Um, and I, the analogy I have is, you know, we talk about having those pre-baby jeans that we always keep in our closet, just hoping that one day that we can fit into. And even if you lose the weight, your body is totally changed. You're never going <laughs> to fit into those jeans again. 
it was almost like I was trying to fit into my pre-baby life. And there was nothing I could do to actually be able to fit into that life. I had to recreate and reshape and reimagine this new life because everything had changed. And I, I didn't even have the words for it when I was going through it. I felt very, very alone. And so to be able to tell my story in hopes that I can reach out to other moms who are at some point in their journey. For me, it happened really early in motherhood, but I know for many, it happens much later, especially if they are stay-at-home moms when their children are young. I just want to be a voice to, you're not alone. You're not crazy. It's not that you aren't working hard enough. It's that you've changed and you haven't taken the time to acknowledge who you are and what you want for your future now. Um, so that's a big part of wanting to share my story. I love that, Hillary. And it, it's so familiar to me, too, because I had a very similar overall experience as you're describing it, right? I think your honesty about motherhood and <laughs> just the challenge that goes along with it and what it makes us think about on a bigger scale for the first time is so important. And I'm so grateful that you were willing to have this conversation today and so thankful for all of your great insights and tips. Oh, well, thank you so much, Kim, for inviting me on. This was so fun. Um, and it's just been a pleasure. Thanks again for listening today. If you're struggling with imposter syndrome and you'd like additional support, check out the show notes for more resources or contact me directly. I would love to help you. And if you'd like to tell your story, I would love to interview you. You will find my contact info in the show notes. So reach out anytime. Thanks again.